Chris Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu. Wind, 0605. 0606 Mike Juliet, this is Archer Radar Contact. Hazardous weather information from Minnesota available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast. Connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So glad you're able to join us. On this episode, we talk to air traffic controller Jack Parkin as he answers your questions about air traffic control. And as always, news, information, and events from around the region with some friendly hangar talk along the way. So strap in and let's take off into this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Hey guys. Hey Trevor. Trevor here, Flying Midwest Podcast. Here we have Maddie and Jim. Hey. And Maddie is a brand new graduate. She's drinking a little bit. I graduated kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) With my bachelor's degree in aviation. Those are totally different things. (laughs) However, Kindergarten does involve coloring in between the lines. Being a pilot involves flying the magenta line, which is a colored line. Is that the same thing? Yes, basically. Or is that, that's a stretch, isn't it? No, most pilots I know are kindergartners. So is there anything else we want to say about that? Like, congratulations, Maddie. Thank you. I am certified smart. (laughs) The knowledge said so. The most expensive piece of paper you will ever own. I think my CFI certificate may surpass that, actually. We'll see if I, like all the other ones, I think that was more expensive than all of my college. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> your certificate is plastic. So it's the it most expensive. It was a piece of paper as a temporary certificate. So Okay, here we go. I'm sorry, I will reserve that comment for when <clears throat> I have my MEI temporary certificate and it will be go. paper. Therefore, being it being the most expensive paper, piece of paper I own. Fair enough. You over the COVID yet, Trevor? Mm, brain fog. Cannot compute. A little bit of cough, yeah. A good thing you're in a, in a really high demand and stress school then. If you've got the oh, brain yeah. fog still. You can, you can definitely tell. My boyfriend had COVID last August and just started has just started, like, as, as of this week, gotten over some of his brain fog. Yeah, I've heard that's a, that's a thing. <clears throat> I, I have it, it, but I'm already, you know, a little bit <laughs> a little foggy up there anyway. So. <laughs> a little airhead. Honestly, and I, I hope the FA is not listening and getting any bright ideas. I'm surprised they haven't said more about COVID after effects and how it affects your performance as a pilot and the brain fog and your medical stuff. 
I think they did. They, well, they did I'm in that surprised. one time. They're like, if you have COVID, you're grounded, basically. And right. everybody's like, um, everybody's getting COVID. No more pilots. And then the FAA is like, okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. We just need kidding. those. <laughs> well, I'm just surprised that they haven't said more since that. I remember that, but it just. Well, know, here's just... here's the problem with that though is it, COVID's going to affect everybody differently. Yep. And if you have shot lungs, because say you had pneumonia, if you're flying a high altitude aircraft, you're not going to be able to perform. Your time of useful consciousness is going to go down. You're going to your your hypoxia symptoms are going to are going to start developing a lot sooner. And it's going to be like you you smoke 20 packs a day for 20 years and trying to fly at 5,000 feet at night. I mean, it's just, yeah. how yeah. do they, how do they waver that? I don't How do you even detect that? Like for some people it's hard. Yeah. I think that's kind of why is they just are like ground yourself. If you think you can't fly. I think that's this, happen, but you know. this goes more towards just an overall medical reform topic in the first place that we don't have nearly enough time to discuss it. I don't think we will, but no, but there I don't are think so an entire many, podcast episode could no. cover that. There's just so many different things that affect people in so many different ways that um, I, I think it's, I don't know. I don't like the idea of some of these blanket statements on some of these medical conditions, but we will yeah. go down that road maybe another day. Cause we don't have six hours to discuss this today. Only six. No, I was being, yeah. Yeah. It, it hits home for a lot of people, most people, most pilots. And frankly, there is another podcast that's out there. I don't want to spoil too much of that yet that I'm trying to reach out to um, that does cover some of these more sensitive topics towards the FAA and medicals and restrictions and things like that. Um, so I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much in case this doesn't pan out, but um, I'd really like to talk to them more and get their take on oh, some sure. stuff. So more in the future, I suppose. All right. Okay. To the news. To the news! Starting off in Kansas today, the new KC-46 Alpha completes a record 24.2-hour flight. Um, This was on May 5th and 6th, and a KC-46 Alpha Pegasus tanker uh, from the 22nd Air Refueling Wing in Kansas set a record-setting 24.2-hour flight from McConnell Air Force Base in Kansas. And this is considered by the Air Force to be the longest-duration flight in Air Mobility Command's history. So the purpose of this flight was to test the capabilities of this new refueling platform as it represents a key factor in the global reach of the US Air Force. They planned a lot for this. Um, They had a lot of tools that they were using to detect fatigue and to um, detect mental acuity during the flight. There were six pilots. There were three teams of two. There were two that rotated um, on four hour shifts and one that came in as needed. There were three boom operators, a photojournalist, and a physician assistant. During this flight, the Pegasus performed dry contacts with another KC-46, refueled four F-35s from the Marines, and then was refueled by another KC-46. It traveled about 9,000 miles and completed its flight back at McConnell Air Force Base. Uh, The data collected from this flight will be used to determine the feasibility, limitations, and potential risks as far as the unique benefits of the Pegasus for long-duration flights. Another step forward for that platform. Yeah, actually very interesting with the fatigue testing. Yeah, that's got to be a hell of a flight. So sticking with the theme of the United States Air Force, the first T-7A Red Hawk 
has rolled off the production line at Boeing's facility at Lambert International Airport in St. Louis, Missouri. This is the first of 351 aircraft to be delivered to the United States Air Force as part of a larger uh, $9.2 billion contract that was awarded to Boeing. The production aircraft is going to have an actual physically red painted tail, uh, symbolic of the Tuskegee Airmen of World War II. The name of the Red Hawk that the aircraft is named after itself is derived from the Curtis P-40 Warhawks that were flown by the 99th Fighter Squadron in the U.S. Army Air Forces, uh, which was the first African-American fighter squadron. Uh, this will be used as a training aircraft by Air Education Training Command to train future generations of Air Force pilots. Those of you that have uh, been around the, the Midwest, you guys have probably heard of the B-25 Miss Mitchell. This aircraft is actually based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, and it was actually planning on doing a um, doing a flight as part of Raid 22 in South Dakota. Now the aircraft, unfortunately, they had to they have to postpone it because of a um, an engine issue, or they actually had to they have to pull the engine, do an overhaul on it, some sort of maintenance issue. But the B25 was in support of kind of like the the remembrance of the Doolittle raid. Uh, which was the the first raid on Tokyo after after Japan bombed us at uh, Pearl Harbor. This was actually a very big event. If Brigadier General Jimmy Doolittle led this bombardment in Tokyo. So this flight, Raid 22, was supposed to happen and conclude for the uh, Rapid City Ellsworth Air Show. Well, fortunately, without the B-25, it is still the air show is still going to go on as uh, as planned now. So this airplane has a lot of history behind it. The one legacy for this aircraft is that it had no crew fatalities during all of its missions, which is a rare accomplishment in uh, in World War II. As I looked at a bit of this Raid 22 schedule, it's it's this kind of cool trek across South Dakota, ending at Ellsworth Air Force Base, and they have that as the location that they go to. Ellsworth is known as the home of the Raiders. Um, three of Doolittle's squadron is actually called Ellsworth Home. All right. Boeing is moving its headquarters from Chicago, Illinois to Arlington, Virginia. As the crisis-plagued U.S. plane maker works to repair relationships with customers, federal regulators, and lawmakers. This move, which will be across the Potomac River from the U.S. Capitol, will also include plans by Boeing to develop a research and technology hub in the area. So they said, uh, the Boeing president and chief executive officer said that the region makes strategic sense for their headquarters, given its proximity to customers and stakeholders, and its access to world-class engineering and technical talent. There was reports last October saying that cost cuts and a more hands-on corporate culture raised questions about Boeing's future in Chicago. So Boeing said that it will still maintain a significant presence at its Chicago location and the surrounding region. It does say that Boeing did move its headquarters to Chicago in 2001 after leaving Seattle, which was its home for 85 years. Should we stay in Chicago? Yeah, let's stay in Chicago. Chicago. I hate Chicago, but let's stay in Chicago. Well, we'll, we won't stay here long, then. So back on Thursday, May 5th, United Airlines has confirmed that a passenger on United Flight 2874 from San Diego to Chicago uh, disembarked the aircraft a little short of the gate itself. A passenger had actually pulled the rear emergency exit over the right wing and then proceeded to exit the aircraft and slide down the wing onto the ramp area itself. Law enforcement was able to locate that individual and place them into custody. The reasoning for them deplaning is not yet known, but I'm sure the investigation is underway. Could it be that, as Brian Turner suggested, maybe it was open and he just got sucked up? <laughs> 
It's a it, it has come up more and more lately, has it not? Trevor Jacob, Red Bull. Now this guy sucked right up. Uh uh-uh. A true danger. We all gotta watch yeah. out. Brian, if we jumped the gun here and beat you to the punch on this story, uh, deepest apologies. We have copyrighted this bit for this specific article, and you can't do it now. (laughs) (laughs) You just released a Trent Palmer video. I haven't seen it, though. I think it's pretty funny. I'll have to watch that. I haven't seen that one. I have to watch it. I'm not going to spoil anything. Somebody shared it as, like, real news, and I always laugh when that happens, because that's happened a couple times. Or somebody shared it as like a legitimate thing. And it's just like, ah, yes, it's just Brian. All right. Going to Missouri, Columbia Regional Airport. So they had a, um, a charitable fly-in that we've talked about a, a few weeks back. Pilots from across Missouri landed their small aircraft at this Columbia Regional Airport for a free breakfast and fundraiser. Now, this, this charitable fly-in was actually part of uh, Rainbow House. Rainbow House, for those of you that are really familiar with it, it's uh, it's Children's Emergency Shelter, Regional Child Advocacy Center, Homeless Youth Outreach Program. While there's a lot that goes into this, it's actually a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool event. Cole Finley, one of the air traffic controllers, says, I could not be any happier with how it turned out. Um, everyone came in from all corners of the state. It kind of goes along with, uh, it kind of goes without saying that those in general aviation, a lot of us general aviation pilots, we are very charitable. We we have two favorite efforts, free and food. But then when it comes to free and food, we also like to donate. And at the end of the day, pilots who flew in end up raising about $1,200 for, for Rainbow House. Um, many pilots brought their families along for the ride. And hopefully, uh, Finley hopes that the, that kids see the positive impact um, that can be made in not, just, uh, in not just aviation, but in the world in general. Good on them. Uh, good on Columbia Regional Airport on hosting this uh, charitable fly-in, and we're looking forward to seeing it next year again. So this is the second fly-in event that Cole Finley has done. We talked about one on the last episode where it was a food drive fly-in. Now he's got this next fly-in that has benefited a this advocacy center for youth. Um, and Cole looks like he's doing some really great things with these fly-ins. So I'm just going to put it out there. Cole, if you're listening, we would love to talk to you and pick your brain about the success of these events and just talk to you a little bit more about it. So reach out to us. We want to talk to you. Otherwise, um, we're going to hunt you down and we'll find you and then we'll ask you really nicely to come on the podcast. It's time to talk about some events coming up. Yeah, coming up the weekend of June 4th and 5th, Chippewa Valley Air Show in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. They're going to feature the likes of the Blue Angels. Boo. Don't boo them. They're still a good team. It doesn't matter that it's a different service. They're going to have the Blue Angels. And just for Trevor to satisfy your Air Force need, the F-16 Viper demo team will be there as well, as well as a number of other air show acts, commemorative Air Force, and static displays to your heart's desire. Uh, ticket information is going to be in the link that we'll post in the show notes. And again, that's June 4th and 5th at the Chippewa Valley Regional Airport in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. All right. June 11th and 12th in Chesterfield, Missouri, the Spirit of St. Louis Air Show and STEM Expo, which is presented by Boeing, is scheduled for those dates and the times are on their website. All the tickets for this event will be online only. There will be no tickets at the gate, so make sure if you want to go that you order tickets before you go. Featured at this event, the U.S. Navy Blue Angels, again. The NASA Super Guppy, which is pretty neat. Also going to be seen are a host of um, aircraft, including P-51s, 
Corsair, F-35, Growlers, Spitfires, Hurricanes, Mosquitoes, uh, Matt Yunkin in his Beach 18, Yankee Lady, the B-17, uh, B-29 Doc, uh, the Phillips 66 team, a Privateer, a B-25, an Avenger, and the U.S. Army Black Daggers. Other events are also to be announced. So there is a lot going on in this air show. It's going to be really fun, I think. You can purchase your tickets at spirit-airshow.com slash tickets, and that will also be in the show notes. And a partridge in a pear tree. That's the only thing you missed. Yeah, I think so. Trevor, now I know you're upset about the Blue Angels. I think to make it up to you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to read the Thunderbird one. Oh, thanks. I got Nebraska right here. No, thanks. <laughs> well, fine. Wow. If it makes you feel better, there's an air show that the Thunderbirds are going to be at in the Midwest on June 4th and 5th as well. They will be at the Fort Wayne Air Show, Fort Wayne, Indiana. That will be at the, the Midwest. It is too, well. Good grief, Trevor. <coughs> every episode he's got to say it, so I, I'm going to allow it. Um, this is going to occur at the 122nd Fighter Wing Air National Guard Base. It's going to be 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days, and admission is free. Now, just like the other air show where they allowed the Air Force to participate with the Blue Angels, the Navy will be participating with the U.S. Navy F-18 Super Hornet Rhino demo team, and there will be a number of other static displays as well as performers that will participate in that air show as well. Okay, let's actually go to the Midwest. Okay, let's do it. Free breakfast to all going to Grant, Nebraska, uh, Saturday, June 18th, 2022. From the hours of 9 a.m. 0900 to 1100, Grant's Lions Club is going to be offering coffee and donuts. Uh, there will also be Young Eagle flights from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. A lot of vendor displays, agriculture, aircraft, water drop. Ooh, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Especially if it's going to be really hot. Maybe they can dump the water on the crowd. There you go. Cool, cool them off. Knock some kids over. Right? <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. Um, everyone is welcome. It says 11, 11 a.m. Dedication of AWAS in the name of uh, Leon Kumor. All right. Wednesday, June 8th, 2022 at 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Daylight Time at Yankee Air Museum at Willow Run Airport. Uh, join the museum for the drive-in air display at the airport. Gates will open at 4.30 p.m. This is featuring the CF-18 demonstration team. Food trucks will be on site and bring as many people as your car can legally hold. There will be a Huey helicopter rides uh, available for the show and purchase is on site only. You can get tickets at the website that is going to be in the show notes. You guys ready for our guest this week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, all of our listeners out there in podcast land, you've probably heard of Kennedy Steve, and you've probably heard of Boston John. We have Waterloo Jack tonight from the Air Traffic Control Tower slash Approach slash Radar Facility in Waterloo, Iowa. Welcome, Jack. Thank you. Can we call you Waterloo Jack? Sure, go for it. I mean, I just did, but <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a control good, over it. Ring to it. Is this going to mess you up when you go back to work and people have listened to this podcast? <laughs> Hopefully, nobody listens to it now. Well, <laughs> that's what we typically expect too, but sometimes people listen. So, welcome, Jack. We're really happy to have you here and to talk about some ATC topics tonight. Thank you, and I uh, appreciate the hosting a you know federal air traffic controller. It's not too common that a lot of people are really comfortable with that, but to start things out, I know the populace and my employer would appreciate that all the opinions tonight uh, on this broadcast are my opinion and not the FAs. I know there's been a lot of FA in the news recently. Just want to emphasize that 
you know, they're my employer and everything that I say is all on my opinion tonight. So we're going to do our absolute best to not get you in trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. We appreciate Famous last words. Oh, Trevor, no, don't see that. We appreciate all the people that are fans of the podcast and have supported us. So we don't want to get you in trouble by talking to us. So we're going to try a new thing this time around. Um, And Maddie and Trevor are going to help me. This is going to be really cheesy and people are going to make fun of me for it. But um, it's going to be a rapid response, five question, um, little spiel we're going to do just to get things rolling, to see how quick you are on your feet. As an air traffic controller, I would hope that you've got good mental um, abilities to just think on your feet and come up with the right responses. So that's what we're going to do in the segment that we're going to start calling launch the alert five. All right. You ready? Let's do this. All right. Best aviation movie quote. Cause I'm not fast anymore. Uh, I don't recognize that quote. Yep. No, not a good <laughs> one. I know it's a fast five, but no, there's a lot of aviation movies out there that, you know, similar to Top Gun, not a huge fan of, you know, I'm kind of like when it comes to, actual like air force one that one's kind of like one of my top five maybe even top three just because it's like the way they made it it's like uh kind of reminds me of star wars obviously you know for some reasons (laughs) but you know act similar actors and stuff like that but uh i don't know if i have an exact favorite quote that i can think of we gonna have to come back to that one on the quote i might have to think something up all right, well, I'm going to allow you to take a pass on this one. We'll come back to it at the end. <laughs> I should have set a timer. This is our first time doing this, so there's going to be a grace yeah. period for us too. Um, <laughs> next time we'll have to set a timer. <laughs> Question two: Name five states that are in the Midwest. Go. Iowa, Minnesota, both Dakotas, and Nebraska. That checks. Trevor, did yeah. I check out? <laughs> Apparently, you missed one. No, he was only supposed to name five. five. He doesn't have to name five. all of them. Wisconsin oh. counts too, but they're a bunch of cheeseheads. <laughs> question three favorite aircraft my fiance just asked me this the other day and i had to say the p-51 as a quick response because you know it won the war in europe but i do really like the b-25 too especially with the one that's up in the cities too miss mitchell that one's really cool to see flying around too you know those two are probably if i had to pick between the two of them i'd do the p-51 but the p-25 is a very very close second question four with you appropriate or not no don't ever say it. <laughs> Just uh, clear and concise phraseology on frequency always, but don't be afraid to have a little bit of fun once in a while with your uh, see us. <laughs> Love it. Question five. You're in a hurricane in a C-130. Are you team ditch or team parachute? I know you listen to the episodes. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm team keep going because you're with the hurricane hunters. <laughs> so, so team ditch, right? So, I mean, yeah. you're going to stick it out with the aircraft sure. and right into the yeah. ocean if you have to. I mean... It's a C-130, and Trevor knows yeah. that it'll never crash because it's a C-130. But Not true, but <laughs> they're built like tanks, but even tanks have limitations. That's a great way of putting it. I don't know if you guys went to Oshkosh last year, but the, the demonstration with the C-130s and the, the stuff last year, probably yeah. one of my favorite things. I've been to Oshkosh three times, and that was probably my favorite thing, like learning, seeing how they actually like evac people like a down aircraft or whatever, and finding it and using all the C-130s out of like the Carolinas and stuff with all the fancy equipment on the tails and stuff too. It was really cool. C-130 is a very awesome airplane. I got to look up this quote really quick because I know I know the, I have the quote in my head. But oh, I gotta find it. you're cheating. I got to find it. I was just going to say, we're going to come back to question number one, but now you're <laughs> looking it up on the internet, which I feel is cheating. Do we have an official... I did that on the first episode I was on here. All right, so do we have an you official You asked me a quote question from... and I had to look it up. All right, so... Maddie's in favor. 
Trevor, do you have an official ruling on whether this is going to be allowed or not? <laughs> yeah, why not? It's our podcast. Why not let it just happen? You know, the that's podcast the... is open note. <laughs> yes, it's open note. <laughs> Did you find it? Yeah, cool. you know the Let's reason I it. thought of Air Force One is because it's from that one. Get off my plane! No, Air that was yeah, I was, I was that's waiting my for that, actually. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, that's a good one. <laughs> Great movie. Well, now that we're all warmed up, do you want to start the questions? <laughs> I suppose. <clears throat> Let's dive into it. Oh, Jack, I was just going to ask. So you have your private pilot, and mm-hmm. I don't know when you did that. Was that recently, or uh, it been a while? so? background info i did und from 2013 to 2016 okay and um, the first summer after my freshman year so summer of 2014 is when i finished it up okay so the spring spring semester they had like this course at und called intro to flight and you mm-hmm. just had you had to do that one or just get all of your private pilot okay. at und so i did an intro to fl- it's like seven flight lessons and it was just like kind of an intro to like hey this is this side of the radio you know so yeah. they, they're their way of getting you a little bit experience on the pilot side while still, you know, going to school for ATC. So I did that course in the spring of 14 and then I finished it up. I think it was August 20th. So I went hard nose to the grindstone all summer and got it done that summer of 2014. So it's not required for UND's uh, degree for ATC, but I did it on the side after kind of all my friends were doing it, you know, that I made in the dorms and stuff that aviation side. And then I'm like, all my friends have my license and I've wanted this since I was like, a sixth grader so pretty pretty cool so so do you still fly yeah once in a while uh my fiance loves it when i take her up so it's kind of one of those things like just flying around and going i don't like when sometimes i'll go up and just sit the pattern for an hour or sometimes i'll go and take her out and we actually (laughs) last winter i took her in a 152 up to prairie to shane wisconsin which is about an hour and a half flight for steak dinner except the heater wasn't working very well and it was winter <laughs> so she was miserable but <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> it was a good steak dinner <laughs> oh good 152s do not have good heaters if you guys fly them very much i've, I've heard I i've experienced <laughs> I don't, and i'm okay not knowing <laughs> I, I will say my, my old 150 had great heaters in it. it had a great heater in it <laughs> so yeah i actually wanted to be an uh, airline pilot up until uh probably like the beginning of junior year of high school until they started really getting hard into you know like what do you want to do after high school you know stuff i'm like well duh i've always wanted to be a pilot and my dad uh how i kind of got into aviation is kind of funny my mom works for the national weather service so i kind of enjoyed her meteorology episode really well so we uh she was the breadwinner when we grew up in south dakota south dakota there's a good blooper for you south dakota whatever that is (laughs) (laughs) nobody knows uh, what that is either yeah exactly yeah midwest though so yep. yeah you can't really yeah, avoid midwest. that one <laughs> uh so on the like he kind of did some side jobs growing up they met up at und back in 91 so i just like Aww. went there because it was a really good college for atc that just so happened to be where my parents met too so kind of cool Aww. he's from california and she's from hibbing so completely different sides of the world you know so basically so uh he threw uh, bags for Masaba Airlines out of uh, Aberdeen, <laughs> South Dakota, and back in the day. And I, once in a while, he would just take me out there, and you know those good old red Saab 340s that Masaba had in the early 2000s. And I remember going up there as a little kid, like you know the big red plane, you know, as a little kid. Now, and now I, that's kind of what got me into the pilot side of things. So that was that was really cool growing up, and then like having his uh, flight benefits through the airline too. You know, going up through that and being able to. You know, like, hey, let's go visit California family, you know, this week, whatever, and ride on an airplane for free, you know, kind of thing. So it was kind of 
really cool experience growing up. And now it's been kind of dangerous again because the woman that I'm marrying has flight benefits and put me on her flight benefits. So I'm like tempted to, you know, just run to Amsterdam for a weekend once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) So in your experiences with other controllers, about how many are pilots versus non-pilots? So when I, when I got to uh, Waterloo, I was one of two and we were both, the other one was still a trainee. I mean, this is just Waterloo too. There's so many other places that have a lot of experienced guys, mm-hmm. but a lot of, a lot of like in the past, a lot of the universities required ATC to do the pilot program as well. So okay. I had a couple, I have a couple of coworkers that have their license, but are, haven't been current for 10 years because they got it for the college degree, you know, had fun with it. But mm-hmm. you know, some people don't have as much ambition as others to sure. keep it up, but you never know. So, but right now uh, I'm one of two that are active, I believe. And the other one is a trainee that just got back from Oklahoma city. He, so Waterloo, I don't know if you guys are have a good time for going into all this, but Bring Waterloo it. has a tower and an okay. approach control and they're in the same building and you have to learn both of them in order to oh, wow. stay there basically as a certified controller. So you go to, you start out with tower 99% of the time. And then you do another, you go to Oklahoma city where the Academy is for tower. Then you, when you finish that up, you go back for the radar portion and then you come back and train on approach control at Waterloo. And then after you're, you know, deemed good enough, you certify there and then you're good to go. So during the day, I mean, I work both almost every day when I work. So it's pretty fun. Jack, can you tell us a little bit about your ATC experience, like the different facilities and types of facilities that you worked through? Uh, so believe it or not, uh, this is my only one so far. I got out of college in 2016. I, um, got into the Academy. I applied, I think once or twice in college, but I applied right at right away. As soon as I graduated, I was more considered a little more qualified than just off the street, you know, working at McDonald's or flight school or whatever. And got in summer of 2017. I got down to Oklahoma city for three months of training. And if you pass, you get a list based on um, where you finished, like score wise in your evaluations. So I picked uh, Iowa for my spot and I started training there. And that, that winter, I finished up uh, tower in August of 2018. And then they sent me down to Oklahoma again. That I was actually there for Thanksgiving 2018. So we got to have like a big Friendsgiving that year. So uh, I was down there doing the radar class that they require for the FA. And then I got back to Iowa and finished up approach control training. And I think it was August again, August of 2019. So it was like, you know, fin- and pretty much that's kind of how it goes with some of the slower facilities, like where I'm at, it's kind of like a summer based thing. Like they want to see you be able to you work in like all the student pilot practice approaches mixed together, you know, and keep everybody from scrape the paint, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, that's just kind of uh, how I'm at. And I've been uh, at in Iowa since so October of 2017. So I'm coming up on five years up this fall. And then I got selected uh, just recently to go over to uh, Michigan to work at Detroit approach control. Uh, and that'll be probably another three years or so of training over there. And so that's kind of like a, a big change, you know, going from, you know, Eastern Iowa to super, super trach kind of situation. Not there. It's hard to explain the pay scale, but they're like 
almost three times, probably more than that, busier than us as far as, you know, pay goes, but not a huge deal on that part, but uh, it'll be fun. Be a kind of a up and coming experience for me and my fiance move into, you know, a bigger city and she uh, gets to live in a city where they have a base for cruise uh, for, for sky West. So she gets to, you know, instead of she, right now she kind of, you know, commutes, via car or airplane, wherever, uh, sometimes, but, uh, mostly car. So living in the same town is where you're working for both of us, you know, it's going to be kind of a, a nice change of pace for us before we, sure. you know, kind of get ready for our wedding next fall too. So you can imagine on how both of us are doing, planning a move in the fall and a wedding next fall. So it's kind of, been <laughs> you kind don't of crazy, have but... anything going on at all. <laughs> The nice thing about, and pretty crazy. But. The nice thing about uh, Detroit is you get to do a lot of climb vias. Yeah. And the, the nice thing about approach control is a lot of the clearance delivery stuff is done by, on ground, you know? So yeah. once they, once they depart, you know, all the departure stuff, like I'll be learning obviously once I, once I get over there, exactly how everything works. But a lot of the stuff with the, the SIDS is done at the airport. And then you just kind of get them up and out and give them to center and then, you know, dodge everybody that's in their way, I guess, but with arrivals and they have different types of sectors too, called uh, jets and satellites and arrival too. Yep. So, you know, you kind of get everything, you know, one big flowing organism, basically that is the class Bravo airport. So it's going to be really, really fun. And I kind of, when I put in for some places, I put in for places that would be uh, one where my fiance could be a crew inter crew base. So like Detroit and Minneapolis and Denver, I kind of applied for, and then Detroit needed people bad enough where I got selected there. And I decided, you know, this will be a really good, good change of pace for both of us. And it'll be a fun challenge ATC wise too. So kind of, you know, going from, you know, water, Waterloo by the book is, you know, basic radar service, you know, like even compared to class Charlie, not all the, you know, VFRs or vector to the tower and thing. It's kind of like, you know, cowboy ATC for some people, you know, he's kind of, do with what you got sometimes, but the class Bravo stuff is going to be pretty fun to learn. Sure. So looking forward to it. So it, awesome. our assignments kind of like the military where like, so you've, you've, you'd select a, Iowa as an option. Is that like, you kind of fill out a dream sheet of where you'd want to go and they say, they, used, based on they used to back in the day. I mean, they still ask what region you want to live in, like East, West or central of the U S they have sure. service air er, service areas is what the F how the FA does it. But back in the day, they used to say, pick your top three states and we'll do our best, you know? So now I pick obviously central as my number one. And when we got our list to pick from, there were a couple central airports that I got to choose from. I think the other two were Lincoln and Wichita speaking, believe it or not. And then I think the next closest ones were like Fort Smith, Arkansas and Baton Rouge. I'm just like, I like South food, but I don't know if I could live in that humidity and the hurricanes and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I'm happy with Iowa. So (laughs) it worked out pretty good. So, and the transfers, is that the same way then? So you say you're transitioning. It's it's really complicated. Uh, A lot of ATC. So they're not too happy with how the transfer process is set up because a lot of times it seems to favor the bigger places because a lot of times, so that how DFA does it is, you can't really move unless one, the place you want to go needs people and two, your plate, your facility that you're at right now is health, healthily staffed to let you leave, you know, and still operate 
you know, that's kind of, you think of how basic that is, but they kind of have expanded it a little bit to be the point of, you know, there's a lot of bigger facilities that are able to swap people. And some of these smaller facilities like us kind of almost have to put in, I think I put in 17 applications total for facilities to go to. And um, basically it was like, you look at the priority list close to the time to where they're going to have the panel to pick people. And it's like, I put in for, you know, places I could see be like on our qualifications that I talked about earlier. And then whoever like goes down goes down the list on this kind of an algorithm they run. It's kind of, kind of compliment complicated, but Detroit just ended up being the place that needed people when I was available, right. You know, ready on their list to pick from. So it worked out for us, but I know there's a lot of, we've had a lot of people in the past from our facilities, like, you know, even just, you know, we've had people from, you know, Florida and stuff come to Waterloo, Iowa, because basically, you know, the FA or whoever is involved and said, Hey, we need, we need this place needs people, you know, right now. That's just kind of how like things have progressed, you know, into, you know, staff as needed kind of situation. So, so Jack, what is training like for ATC? Oh like I know boy. I had a friend. Yeah. I knew I that know. question was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's, a, it's an area that, you know, not a lot of pilots know about for sure. Yeah. Like we know it's a rigorous process. Like I know mm-hmm. I have a friend that washed out. He's just like, Nope, not for mm-hmm. me. I'm, I'm stick to yep. flying. And I'm like, wow, how bad is it? Yeah. <laughs> so for all those who are curious out there, we would love to know just a little bit about how crazy it really is. Yeah. So for me coming into a new facility, you know, pretty green, as they say, you kind of have to, you know, almost they say like, you know, how kids nowadays, like only speak when spoken to kind of situation, not, not as bad, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot better from the past, but uh, instructions that way, isn't it? Like, (laughs) I mean, as far as off the radio, you know, with with your trainers, I suppose. So you guys have had a situation, you know, like where you, you know, you heard the one controller that you spoke earlier, like saying Academy ground on accident, you know, at flying cloud. A lot of times you've had you guys have probably heard, you know, like maybe on flight following somewhere or coming into whatever airport or tower and you hear two voices, you know, it's like one person talks and someone else talks over them, you know, like, cause they said something stupid or whatever like that, that, that a lot of time is not always stupid. I know that's kind of judgmental, but um, they have, we have trainers for a reason, you know, like the, how it works is, when you're certified to work a position, as soon as I think it's a year later, you're eligible to teach on it as soon as, as long as you get the, the teaching course, you know, paperwork done or whatever. So um, you go through that process. So you always have somebody that's certified to work that position, actually working it. And then in the training process, they have somebody that's not certified yet plug in with them. And, you know, work the airplanes while they watch. And if they see something that they're not happy with, you know, they can step in and say something or, you know, you can say like, hey, you should do this, you know, kind of, kind of situation. Like there's there's a lot of um, classroom stuff, too. Like you have to memorize a whole lot of a lot of stuff. Like, obviously, you can't work a tower if you don't know what taxiways are which and stuff like that. You know, you can't can't work ground control like uh, turn left crap. What is that one again? You know, like, you know, can't do that kind of thing. So you got to be book ready before you can really be, you know, radio ready kind of situation. So, and sometimes, you know, there's stuff that if you don't use it for a while, you forget it. And then you have to keep on it too, while you're doing it that you, so the magical 71, 10.65 is always your best friend too, for studying too, if you need to. So that's kind of like the ATC Bible. So it's uh, kind of like the, the far aim for you guys, you know, 
See, that's that's kind of interesting, and and I'm I'm glad you kind of brought that up because it a lot of people once they get their tickets, mm-hmm. you know, outside of their flight review. I mean, how often do people actually go into the far end? You know, right. How often do people actually review? Um, you know, kind of ask questions. You know, mm-hmm. what if what if this? What if that? <clears throat> for I I know for me, and and I can speak from experience, is that before I, you know really got into the the flying thing i probably went to the fire maybe once or twice a year right right and that was okay did <laughs> if I you even had the right one you know like this 2022 <laughs> one and like oh here's my 2016 one <laughs> yep yep what could have possibly changed yeah <laughs> <laughs> the faa recently announced their next hiring bid process for what next month yep what can you tell any aspiring atcs out there about what that means so this is the fun time of year. I think they're planning on doing once or twice a year now of off the street hiring on usajobs.gov. So that's your magical website for getting a profile made and a resume up uploaded and getting everything current. So June 24th to June 27th are the days that it's open. And so there's minimum requirements. You have to be under the age of 30 by the time that the uh, 27th comes around. The FA likes to get a full 20 years out of you for your pension. Um, you have to be a U.S. citizen. So their big requirement is either a four-year degree in anything. Mine was obviously ATC, so it made me a little bit more qualified. Or three years of progressive work experience, which can be pretty much anything. But basically what they mean by that is three years in a row at a job of 40 hours a week. So three years in a row at the same job, that's full time. So they want to, you know, you to prove that you're reliable. So, or you can do a mix of those two. You can do two years of school or, and one year of work experience or two years of work. I don't know if you can do two years of work experience when you're school, but basically kind of a combination of the two. So to get you to show that you're a good employee and can be a good employee for DFA. So yeah, if you want to be a, ATC for the FA and you want to apply off the street as a no experience. They call it an off the street bid or no experience bid, basically June 24th to June 27th. So have that posted on usajobs.gov. I suppose we could put something in the show notes, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think I saw a link earlier. I think uh, fa.gov slash level up is a website that they've made to kind of explain everything, like what it means to be a controller of the FA and like, good resources to look up at as far as um, why a lot of the controllers in the FA are like, you know, proud to do what they do and what, what they kind of, what they do and stuff too. So, so being a pilot yourself, do you see an advantage in your air traffic control career to having that pilot slash aviation experience from that side of things? Yeah, I would say so. And I, I'd say it kind of like I've, and just from like being a controller as a pilot and hearing some of the things that some people say sometimes like, why do they do this? And then like, you know, I kind of have to say like, Hey, they were probably like thinking this or whatever you meant this or whatever. And they kind of like, they're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. You know, kind of like having like a little bit, like just a private pilot too. I don't even have like, you know, airline experience or anything like that. But I know there's some, some controllers out there that have switched sides, you know, like been an airline pilot and like, I want to go do ATC now, you know, kind of situation thing. So kind of second midlife crisis, not quite midlife crisis, but core life crisis kind of career change, whatever we want to call it. But um, yeah, having the experience is really like, you know, there's a lot of at a, working at a small tower too. you know, 
it kind of like seeing a lot of the stuff that we have an FBO with four airplanes for flight instruction, basically. And you can rent them too. Once you, if you do a rental checkout, but seeing and hearing a lot of things that, you know, student pilots say with instructors on board and stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, like there's, that makes more sense. I have two college universities within a three hour drive that have flight schools too, that come over and do practice approaches and other like stuff like that. And there's plenty of other airplanes based in small towns around that I've, you know, I see the call sign pop. I'm like, Oh, there's the plane from, you know, Mason city. Oh, there's a plane from Cedar Rapids, whatever, you know, like you kind of start to recognize stuff once you work it long enough, but you know, just knowing and kind of expecting what they want and what they're going to say, you know, as a pilot myself, you know, it's kind of gives you a little bit of a push to kind of prepare a little bit better too. And kind of, it's almost like more of an empathy thing too, you know, like, Hey, I'm a pilot too. You know, like I've, I've had a situation where, you know, first, first student cross country flight following supposed to be going to an airport to the West and he's going North. It's like, Hey, just quick question for you. You know, like, Hey, you know exactly where you're headed right now is like your compass and your heading indicator lined up. And he's like, yeah, it's not, I'll fix that real quick. And then he turns right at the airport. He's supposed to go to, he's like, you know, like just, just little things like that, you know, having a little bit of knowledge, even about just being a private pilot kind of helps with understanding, like, you know, the student, a lot of training in our area of the state of Iowa. So seeing like what student pilots are trying to do and, move forward with that and kind of helping them a little bit. It's, it's kind of nice sometimes to just having the background information. You kind of segued very nicely into one of our other listeners. And actually she was on our podcast before captain L she's a, she actually has a very good question regarding student pilot. She's like, a, mm-hmm. you know, she asked when a, when a student pilot is on a solo, what advice do you have to give to them uh, to get over their nerves talking to ATC? Mm-hmm. That's always a big one for <laughs> When you're not flying in a in a in a yeah. airport like Mankato, that's a big one. Um, and I know this has been a very big topic lately. I've had a lot of people pushing like, when are the tower tours coming back? When are the tower tours coming back? Like, guys, we really, really, really want you back. Like, we want we want to we want you to see our side of things, so you don't think of us as big evil crazy monsters, you know? Because we're not. We're people too. We want to, you know. It's a ATC service. We want to give you your service so you can land and be happy and have a great, awesome day, you know, stuff like that. So if you're a student pilot and you're flying, you know, across your first cross country, whatever, don't be afraid to tell us like, Hey, student pilot, VFR flight following, going to, you know, Fort Dodge, Iowa, whatever, you know, we're that let's, that's a bell in our ear, you know, like that, that says talk slower, enunciate a little better, like help you out, you know, like there's, you know, plenty of airlines out there. You can talk like you're an auctioneer and they understand everything that you say. Those student pilots are not going to understand you at all because they're so focused on, you know, scanning their instruments and flying level flight and listening on the radio and stuff like that. And I could definitely remember those days of doing those cross countries, trying to understand what the heck Minneapolis center was trying to tell me what to do back in the day. So shout out to them. They're great too. So, um, but yeah, student pilots don't be afraid to just explain what you want to do so that we know what you want to do first of all and we aren't surprised if you do something other than what we're expecting to like if you want to come and do a touch and go don't say you're going to come in and just land you know like kind of that thing like explain like hey we want to do a touch and go and then go to our next airport like cool we can do that we can accommodate that for you no problem don't be afraid to be humble and vulnerable or any of that stuff and don't let your, you basically, you know, you hear that a lot. Don't let your pride get in front of your aviating kind of situation. So sure. you hear a lot about like people with that mic fright, they call it, where they're too afraid to, they're going to sound like an idiot over the radio or <laughs> so that they, they like, it's 
they, you know, kind of tense up on it. And I guess I use my example from a number of episodes ago that I didn't care for flying into uncontrolled airports because I was so used to talking to ATC that, oh, I'm going to get on this CTAF and sound like an idiot. Um, mm. Just because I didn't know, I wasn't as, you know, fluid with the phraseology. And it's just a matter of going out and practicing that and getting comfortable with it. I think it's probably the same thing, the opposite direction too, where you've got people going to flying out of these uncontrolled airports and now you have to go talk to a tower. It's like, Oh yep. no, it's the scariest thing in the world. But oh yeah, you raised a good point where end of the day, the other end of the radio, is just other people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you think that you're going to sound dumb, just listen to some of my controlling. I don't sound the smartest on frequency either. <laughs> I'm in the tower, <laughs> you know, we're not all perfect. I've had times where I've literally, you know, keyed up the radio and going to say something and then unkeyed and like, what in the world was I saying? You know, like, that's not what I meant at all. And then rekey up and, explain like no i want you to do this instead just kidding you know stuff like that you know so not everyone you know sometimes before that first cup of coffee in the morning not everyone's you know always ready to say exactly what they mean but you know it's how everyone it says dumb things on the radio it <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter yes. who you are i've heard airline pilots say oh, really yeah. stupid things on the radio and i'm like it's like actually yep. kind of comforting it's just like everybody screws up it's fine yep. Yep. <laughs> there you go. top 10 pi- things pilots should quit saying number one or with you it. yeah or learned it. oh god don't get me started Checking what is in. your opinion on i'm not you? even no i need to know i'm not okay. even catholic and i want to say and also with you <laughs> <laughs> this has been a couple of times where i went to go key up the mic and say i'm like nope i'm gonna i'm not gonna do it not gonna do it <laughs> you're gonna That's you know funny. what's gonna end up happening is you're gonna end up getting a uh, <coughs> you're gonna get a uh or Mark that says Mark the tape or something like that. And it's probably going to be Trevor saying it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. It, it could be better than meowing on 121.5. Yeah. That's, that, that happens too much. You're on guard. <laughs> And then the, you know, then all the, oh yeah, stuff comes out and that just nonstop too. (laughs) Progressively louder Sia's. There's, there's, yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of the loudest. I like your guys' ending. I like the loudest Sia you can do whenever. I mean, sometimes I even initiate it if I know if it's a cool pilot that I'm like talking to some RJ pilot and I say, contact center, have a good day. They're like, see you. I'm like, I like go scramble <laughs> for my mic quick and go Zap! really loud. I'm like a lot of times I like, you know, switch them to center and I'm just kind of like looking at something else or whatever and listening for their readback, you know, of the right frequency or whatever. And then they give it back. I'm like, Oh crap, I wasn't ready. <laughs> so it's funny, but oh, I, hope they I, heard love, me. I love a good see ya. Love a good yes. season. So I want to touch on another listener question that came up that I think you started to answer, but I just want to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so our buddy Badger Pilot, who is also a fan of the podcasts and did one of our blooper intros, um, says, I'd love to take a tour sometime. Is that something Towers or Center Approach uh, have started to do again? Um, you, you kind of alluded to it, but just I figured I'd ask just for him again. Right. So a lot of, a lot of, um, things with the COVID restrictions, you know, like the airlines have gotten rid of the, you know, mass and airplanes finally too. And that was really nice being able to, you know, go fly and not have to wear a mask a couple of weeks ago, but, um, the restrictions just haven't quite been approved to get lifted yet for the FAA facilities. So once we hear back, you know, on all that stuff, that'll be definitely put out like, Hey, whenever you guys want a tour you know that's that's a thing for sure so we enjoy having the student pilots up so they you know i I know i have one cfi in my hometown here 
that has just been like, my students are so scared to talk. Like I'm trying to teach, you know, and I'm like, I tell them to say something and I have to almost say it to form every time, you know, they're just like so scared to just like say something to us. And I'm just like, you know, I feel for them too. You know, like I, I would have loved, I, I was in the middle of South Dakota, nowhere, basically when I was flight training, I never really had, I went into up to Fargo, you know, for my 10 tower landings, you know, and didn't even do a tour. And I was just kind of, you know, like, yeah, I, I had, I guess, just mindset. Like, yeah, I trust them. I'm, I'll be fine. I'll just do my tower landings and get out of there, you know, kind of thing. So, but we're, we're looking forward to getting tours back in the building for sure. So we can help these students actually be able to, you know, talk to us and explain what they want instead of, you know, just like, you know, like say like two or three words and we're like, can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, like kind of like, you know, like over our end of the radio, not knowing they like to see us, you know, as like the, the power, like, I almost feel like sometimes we're viewed as, as like, you know, cops or anything like that. Like, you know, like we're, we're seen as, as like, Oh, enforcers. Like, no, we're, we're trying to work with you and we're trying to give you a service, you know? So talk to us and we'll help you out. So. I think that's a really good point. I think that there are a lot of people that see you as like, you are the word controller, like, Oh, they're control this guys. <laughs> um, not necessarily as this, that service that's there to help you. So that's a really good point. Yeah, definitely. So as soon as tours are back, we'll get the word out. So I got to tour the flying cloud tower during the air show. Ooh, cool. I, I knew a gal whose husband was mm. the uh, one of the controllers. He's not there anymore, but um, mm. yeah, I got to, that was like an eye-opening experience. This was like last summer. So mm. I'm, a, I'm a, an, almost an MEI. So I've been an instructor for <laughs> over a year now. I had never been in a tower ever. And oh, I wow. went up and I was like, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Like I could never do yep. it, but at least what you see, like oh, yeah. I understand like how the process works, you know, you could, you'll slip a paper and you know, right. that's, that's you and you, you know, it's, it's neat. It's really cool. Yeah. I really think what you guys do is awesome. I got to I mean, tour Grand helpful. Forks. I, yeah. I got oh, to tour neat. Grand Forks a couple of times and learned after getting up there that, you know, I saw one of UND's CFIs go up there and I'm like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing up here? I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, my student soloing. Like the CFIs will go up there when their student is soloing once in a while, you know, just like get to see the controllers talk to them. And if like something goes like, obviously, hopefully nothing goes wrong, but you know, they're up there if they, they need something, you know, so it's almost nice to have for the controllers up there too, you know, have the actual person that's been teaching them the stuff like, Hey, what's like, they can look at them like, what's going on right now? Like, what is he doing? You know, stuff like that, whatever. But yeah, uh, I've been up in flying clouds too. That's pretty pretty nice tower i think they're due for a new one for sure because it's kind of looking a little older but (laughs) i've been over to i've been to crystal and st paul and minneapolis too and i've been to anoka because their contract i never asked them for a tour but uh they're the city's has a good group of great controllers that all work together pretty well so it's pretty fun if you guys are feeling a little generous crystal and st paul can use your love too flying cloud isn't the only tower up there so (laughs) i've got a a good buddy of mine he was um he actually i served with him in the military and he's uh, he's a controller up up at crystal Mm -hmm. then he moved out to california and then he moved back i don't know if he's still at crystal or if he's if he moved over to tracon but i want to ask another fan question Oh boy. What are some best practices for obtaining a Bravo clearance for sightseeing or overflying a busy airport? And that's from Alex on the mm. Instagram machine. Okay. So my brain immediately went to like Minneapolis. So let's say you want to like do a little sightseeing, maybe, you know, like target field area when there's not a game or whatever like that. Like just explain to them. Like I've seen Bravo clearances given to Cessnas. I just want to fly over MSP. You know, like, hey, we want to go from, you know, 
Lakeville to Anoka. We don't want to go around. We want to go right over MSB, you know, and they're like, yeah, go right over the top or whatever, at or above whatever altitude, you know, and just like explain yourself, you know, like there's a lot of times pilots are like, you know, like we've got, we get back to, you know, the scared Mike kind of situation. Right. It's like, Hey, I'd like a Bravo clearance because I'd like to fly this route. And I mean, whatever altitude you want, I guess, but, and you know, there's bigger, a lot of bigger places. Like I know I've seen on, youtube and instagram and stuff like san francisco the big you know the famous bay tour you know like over the golden gate bridge and alcatraz and all that stuff like just explain you know to your approach controller like hey i want to do this and they're like uh give me 10 minutes i'll get you exactly what you need you know like stuff like that like just be right. concise you know like and if there's airplanes in the way they'll say no until they can do it you know stuff like that mm -hmm. so yeah just that's kind of the big thing for me is you know just like explain what you want and if we can do it for you then we'll do it for you as best as we can you know it's like we're not here to say no go away leave us alone you know especially you know those big scary bravo airports and approach controllers that sound busier than all heck on the frequency and you're just trying to do a little sightseeing or whatever but and that's been my experience too where typically if i if i'm clear and just tell them what i want to do if they're mm -hmm. able to accommodate it they will oh yeah um, my last that long cross country i just did for my commercial rating i someone had asked me like did you go through the Bravo? I'm like, yeah, I went through the Bravo. I'm like, like you just you just went? I'm like, I, I mean, I asked. I was clearer than the Bravo. Yeah. Oh, like the, yeah. This to this kind of novice pilot that didn't. I mean, they're like, oh, that's the Bravo. You can't go into Bravo. It was just kind of a mind-boggling oh. thing that you don't just have to fly around it. You can ask to go through yep. it. I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I feel you like just do it. You should ask. I have a, <laughs> I have a feeling I wouldn't know this for sure that a lot of the flight schools in the cities area is probably like, you know, the big bad Bravo. Don't even try asking because they're not going to give it to you kind of situation. But, it's you know, it depends on, it. you know, if they can if they can accommodate it, you know, there's like, you know, straight up unable, you know, Bravo clearance, remain clear of the Bravo. Then you just got to have plan B. You know, it's just what it comes down to. What do you wish you could tell other pilots from an ATC perspective? That's a good one. Oh, man. We asked the hard questions here. We, we've covered so much good stuff on this too tonight. And I think the big thing for me and the big thing I preach too, whenever I can talk to pilots around here is don't be afraid to just ask and try not. To, I know if you can't do a tower tour, then that's fine too. But try not to think of us as the big mean people and more of like, you know, your friend that's holding your hand, you know, we have the bigger picture on our scope, you know, we can see everything that's going on. We're going to keep you, keep you safe, you know, and keep you out of harm's way. Yeah. As a controller, you know, with a little bit of, uh, I've only got maybe like 130 hours or whatever in single engine to just as a private pilot and just kind of, you know, use your, your best judgment when it comes to talking to ATC about, you know, what you really want to do and explain yourself and don't be afraid of us. That's the big thing for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like what you said about the bigger picture too. Um, the one flight where I had an instrument failure, I, had an, I was on an instrument flight plan and I lost my vacuum pump. I just come out of IMC. I recognized something wasn't right with my gauges and I'm like, oh, yeah, the vacuum pump failed. So I descended below the cloud deck and I just told ATC, hey, I'm going to hang out down here. I lost my vacuum pump. Um, and they came back a couple minutes later and you know, there's a couple back and forth questions between myself and the controller. And then a different controller was on saying, hey, you know, we've got some people that are a little worried about uh, your course of flight here. Do you maybe want to consider uh, putting it down somewhere? Um, and it was that bigger picture thing. of, And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know what they see ahead of me. Mm -hmm. um, I know what I see on four flight. I know what I got briefed before I left as far as the ceilings. And yeah, it was an IFR flight, but 
I'm like, oh, I could go under the clouds and be just fine. But mm-hmm. there, the conditions were deteriorating and yep. they were seeing things that I wasn't. And they had that bigger picture for me. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll divert to park rabbits or wherever I went. Sure. Um, and, but it was again, that bigger picture that I didn't have that they were able to provide that was hugely beneficial. I kind of wound up in a oh, very yeah. uncomfortable position very quickly. Very true. And I love having, uh, we have a couple of computers up in the tower cab and even in the the approach control whenever it's open uh that we can pull up like you know aviationweather.gov and find see all the metars along your route of flight like hey they're showing 700 overcast they're at 1200 overcast like explaining everything like along like hey i know you want to do this but you know like it's really hard for atc to kind of suggest that kind of thing like hey we would you rather land than keep going you know like kind of thing it's not not a huge like a normal thing for us to really say because you know piloting command eventually you know has the judgment i guess whatever but uh, just kind of, you know, painting the picture, you know, for you to make the best decision. That's my big thing, you know, like don't hide information that could, you know, save your life for sure. So, yeah, and that's, that's how I took it too. Of like, these guys have a different viewpoint than I do. True. Um, let's, let's land, let's reevaluate. Um, and when it's safe to go VFR again, we'll just go VFR the way back. There you go. Um, and that's ultimately what we ended up doing. We, we waited it out on the ground for a little bit, looked at the weather. Mm-hmm. I, I called up my, I mean, I, was a fairly inexperienced pilot. I have my certificate and my instrument mm-hmm. rating, but when it came to, you know, instrument flight, I called up my instructor and go, what do you think? You know, here's my plan to maybe get back. We're going to, you know, wait a little bit and here's the path I'm going to take with airports within this vicinity. Mm-hmm. I've mapped out my different waypoints I want to take. And I eventually safely made the flight back and I just, mm-hmm. I flew VFR, but again, the, the weather conditions changed again. So, right. But yeah, it was, they're there to help us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Jack, are you ready? Oh, boy. Ready for the <laughs> <of> the <night? laughs> this is my favorite part. What is your aviation unpopular opinion? <laughs> I top, know you guys top, have had a... Top one, yeah. You guys have had you a really, really good <laughs> couple of ones these last few episodes, and I've really enjoyed listening to them. So as a pilot, my biggest fears are heights and falling. So they don't combine well when going up in an airplane, but it does not make you cool to want to jump out of an airplane, whether it is skydiving or in the mountains, Trevor Jacob or Red Bull. I think skydiving is cool. I would never do it personally, but so wording it the way I worded it, it was kind of brash, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but we're getting out of a perfectly good airplane, in my opinion, is probably, unless it's like, you know, D-Day, <laughs> that kind of situation, you know, it's, to me, it's just, you know, by choice, obviously, and sometimes it's not the best choice. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who keeps bugging me, when are you going to become a jump pilot? She's a jump, uh, oh, skydiving yeah. instructor, cool. and like, no, because as soon as I take that job, you're going to make me skydive and I will <laughs> yeah. not skydive. I, I'm no. right there with you. I hate the feeling of falling in my stomach and I feel like I can never yeah. actually jump out of an airplane willingly. I am so. the same exact way. <laughs> and I have a fear of falling too. Like roller yep. coasters are terrifying. And here yep. I am, a pilot. <laughs> Lo- love love Valley Fair. Can't go on the big ones though. Nope, <laughs> you know? same. Yep. Yep. I'll, I'll go on the little, little baby ones. <laughs> I'm a little baby. Yep, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I guess that's kind of aviation related because it, you know, brings in a lot of current events, but you know, stay in your airplane. <laughs> hey, absolutely. The more stay inflammatory, the better. <laughs> Perfect. So 
I want to thank Jack for a couple of things. One, for being a great fan of the podcast. We appreciate you listening and to mm-hmm. all of our episodes in their entirety and not falling asleep. It's a <laughs> hell of an accomplishment. So we thank you for that. And we really appreciate your time and sitting down with us and talking to us about ATC. Absolutely. Last little while here. So appreciate your insight and your thoughts. For sure. It's fun giving the different perspective for things. So another cool conversation with someone from the Midwest aviation community. Want to thank Jack Parkin once again for coming on. And I apologize if the name Waterloo Jack Six. Uh, the good news is you're moving to Detroit. Maybe you can get a cooler nickname like Detroit Jack. It sounds like a really cool drink. That's a joke I stole from Trevor. So I'm going to give him credit for it. Thank goodness. I never thought I'd get something credited like that before. Well, it was a good idea. Being funny. <laughs> Best of luck to Jack in his endeavors in Detroit. Hey, Maddie. Hey, Trevor. Why don't you ask Jim what we have going on for next episode? Hey, Jim, what do we have going on for next episode? I'm so glad that you asked. Thank you so much for asking, Trevor, via Maddie. We are going to have a couple from the Instagram Flying Tandem, Tomas and Nicole. This is a couple that share an Instagram page as they share their adventures flying across the United States uh, through video and imagery on Instagram, YouTube, all sorts of different social media platforms. So excited to hear their story, how they got their start with Instagram and where they hope to take their social media content. Sounds like fun. I'm excited. Me too. Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. If you want to give us some show ideas, you can reach out to us on any of our social media or flyingmidwestpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. Until next time. See ya. See ya. See ya. Hell yes. Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day. So uh, by evidence tonight, as you can see, controllers aren't always perfect, and we try and do our best and accommodate with everything, but uh, pilots can get always get everything what they want. And as you can see, here are all the bloopers that we have for you, and thanks for having me on the show. See ya! Close it out. Appreciate you guys having on me, and... Uh, here are the bloopers. See ya. Having on you? <laughs> what did I say? He said, I appreciate you having on me. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it works. It works. Having me on. Having on me. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two that. very different things, my friend. Yeah. I, I <laughs> that, so. Yeah. Unpopular opinion. I Nobody actually wants me here. I just start talking and then they can't Oh, come on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it's 10.05, Trevor. <laughs> I've had two drinks and I'm getting very sleepy. Take a swig. There you go. There you go. Does this make me more pleasant now? I don't know. (laughs) I've got lots of really good stories like this one. Witnesses at O'Hare International Airport describe the scene Thursday morning as quote unquote scary, but not panicked. My mother scolded me for dropping the F-bomb like a lot. (laughs) Like If I I was your mother, I would scold you too. Hi guys, I'm, I'm I'm Trevor. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Welcome to the Creepy Midwest Podcast. Um, that's the show Trevor's putting on tonight. Uh, Maddie and I would like to introduce you to the Flying Midwest Podcast that we'll be putting on. <laughs> <laughs> on Thursday, Boeing said that it would move its headquarters from Chicago. Chicago. We're going great here. When flight twenty eight seventy four from San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. Diego Garcia. San Diego. My parents listen to it.
if that okay. helps. That helps. Even though <laughs> my mom has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, well. Thanks, uh, mom. We, we also don't know what we're talking about, but here we are. True. I got Now, see, now I have to say it in my head first before I say it out my mouth, because I'm going to pull, pull a gym and just spit out garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the yes, mute Jack button? I'm not the butt of a joke. <laughs> Where's the mute Jack button? Mute Jack. Go. <laughs> Maddie doesn't care about your questions on Facebook. It's all about Maddie. That's how this works. <laughs> it is decided. You do it in there. Where are those bozos he's talking to? He looks Breaking like he's recording a podcast. Gross. You know what's sad? You're trying to show me a picture of this pretty girl, and I went, look, it's a bonanza. Oh, you and your pancakes again. Hey. Pave a paradise and put in a parking lot. You know, as saying. long as they're serving pancakes, there, Maddie doesn't care. <laughs> I've got lots of really good stories, like this one. 